Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! Hey, everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Andy Carty. Hi, Annie. Hey, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take two pieces of media, like a book or a movie or a TV show, and we we mash it up Yeah, we, we just stick with another together. book or movie or TV show. Yeah, we, just... we pick them up like snow, and we stick them together like yeah. a snowball. Yeah, bigger a snowball. Bigger snow, more snow interesting, on the ball. Interesting snow. Make a man out of that ball. Yeah, you know? or a woman or, bi- or, or make... a non-gender conforming snow person. Yeah, just make snow people. Yeah, snow people. Everybody is a snow person. Exactly. Inside. Exactly. They all got the, the eyes black as coal. Yeah, and little carrot noses. And cute hats. Jaunty. Uh, you can't see it, but I just... And he just made mm-hmm. a very jaunty hat. Yeah, and, and then I was like, oh, right, we're sound only. Wait, Annie, what's that? What's what? I hear I hear footsteps on the on the roof. Jesus, who's <laughs> up the, there? Get the gun. Oh, God. <laughs> because we're recording this podcast three weeks early for yeah. Christmas. <laughs> also, I don't think we, ha- like, we have a chimney that you could get down. No. Yeah, that this is a tough house for it. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because I was like, "Oh, but we, we have chimneys. They just yeah, don't, we have they chimneys, don't open but they're not like." And one is the exhaust port for our furnace. So. Yeah, so we could hang stockings on the furnace, or for the hot water heater, in which case Saint Nick might asphyxiate on the way down because yeah. that's pure carbon monoxide yeah. coming out of there. So, so that ain't happening. I guess we'll just have to be bad so that he doesn't come to our house. Oh no. No, well, he'll well, find we can, a way. Yeah, it's, you know, we can, he's magic. That's true. In fair Hashtag magic. Hashtag Christmas magic. Yeah, just leave it on the back porch, Santa. Yeah. Um, we don't have a back porch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, he's going to be so confused. Yeah, I know. Uh, he can leave it into the, in the cemetery that we are Yeah, there you go. Onto. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. It's uh, the nightmare before Christmas. Yay. Uh, but this is the podcast before Christmas. Yes. Because it's our crossover appeal podcast. It uh, is. Our co- crossover appeal <laughs> Christmas podcast episode. <laughs> it's happy Christmas, everybody. Um, <laughs> just like Uncle Billy walking home from the wedding. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so any uh why we're we should say up front there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this yeah. episode you guys because the two pieces of media that we're mashing up today are it's a wonderful life and mm-hmm. a christmas carol um yeah. both of which you probably already know mm-hmm. and if you don't already know them you probably already seen the sitcom version of them yeah you know point. them even yeah. if you don't know them so time to get if a real you have deal n- somehow not managed to interact with any spoilers for either thing like wow yeah i'm actually kind of impressed yeah i think honestly i would say you should not listen to this episode because you've got some kind of (laughs) weird thing that really needs to be maintained like you're like a forest creature or something and we don't want to corrupt you no oh my god you are um jack Skellington and and you've never Aww. seen you're like what's this what's this but that is also not the thing that we're crossing over it's I true. need to get out of that mindset well you know you are looking out towards the cemetery that is true 
in which our presence will soon be sitting. Um, also, like George Bailey going to the cemetery toward the end of the movie. That's right. Man, we're jumping yeah. right into the spoilers. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. a cemetery, you guys. It's spooky. Um, but yeah, Annie, why don't you go ahead and tell us about It's a Wonderful Life. So It's a Wonderful Life is a film by Frank Capra starring Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. It was first released in 1946 to mixed reviews and was kind of a box office failure at the time. Um, mm. It didn't become a Christmas classic until the late 1970s when it started airing on TV around Christmas. Um, and I believe you were saying earlier oh, yeah. that that was because of um, it was it opening up to the public domain. Yeah, they lost the copyright, so the yeah. TV stations were like, we can show it for all the time. Yeah, all which day. is great. I feel like that's a real good one to show all the yeah. time every day because mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. Um, the movie follows George Bailey um, through the eyes of his wingless guardian angel, Clarence. Mm. Clarence watches George grow up in Bedford Falls, New York. Um, I think George is born close to the turn the turn of the 20th century. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, so he Clarence sees George save his brother from drowning, um, lose his father, marry the girl next door, super McCutie son. Oh, just a little Mary cinnamon Hatch. roll. Um, George takes over the the family building and loan business after his father dies and goes head to head with a mean rich guy, Mr. Potter, who's, quote, the meanest man in town. He's the meanest man in movies, period. Yeah. Like, oh, totally. Yeah. He's like, like, it's like him and Sauron just kind of. Yeah. And he doesn't notes. even have magical powers. He's no. just rolling around in his money like Scrooge McDuck. It's true. Uh, neither of them are able to walk because Sauron is just a big floating eye. That's I mean, true, but in the time of the movies, I guess. Yeah, he's I a big so. scary armor I, dude. I was wondering, like, does Mister Potter is he not able to walk, or, or does he, he just, just ride around? He's yeah, probably got gout. Yeah, the rich man's disease. Right, he's like, I've eaten too many shellfish. Yeah, and and my butler is it. basically Lurch. So yeah, like, he can carry he me. Needs something to Whatever. keep him in shape. Yeah, he's push me around. Otherwise, he gets bored and destroys things That's like true. a German shepherd. He goes rampaging through the town <laughs> yeah. like Frankenstein's monster. Oh no! Yeah, every time Mister Potter lights a cigar, the butler gets a little nervous. He does, but fine. he's learned to hold it in. It's true. Um, um and so George, um. Is running the the business and loan, and ultimately gives up his dream of traveling the world and being an architect. Um, George's like critical moment happens on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. when his forgetful uncle Billy loses eight thousand dollars of the building and loans money on the way to deposit it at the bank. Oh, Uncle Billy! Um, yeah, oh, poor Uncle Billy. Like, I actually, I feel like I can't even watch that scene without mm-hmm. feeling anxiety because I just, like, I don't want it to happen. And I'm like, this yeah. movie, I've seen it a gajillion times. It's going to happen. But I'm like, maybe this time Uncle Billy will remember it. It's true, but And he oh, just, it's not his fault. No, it's, it just, it's Mr. Potter lives this, like, thieving. Yeah, he, a- like, Mr. Potter finds the money and he, like, he's going out to, like, throw it back at Uncle Billy and then he doesn't. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so awful. It's the worst. Um, So everyone else in the meantime thinks that either Uncle Billy has just lost the money or there has been some financial bad dealings at the building and loan and mm-hmm. George is like, I am going to go to jail for this. Yeah. Um. So George is in a real bad place and thinks that, okay, I have a life insurance policy so if I kill myself, my family will get that, and then no one will fall into bankruptcy. Not a good solution, George. <laughs> oh, Occam's Razor, razor George, yeah. they call him. <laughs> oh, my God. He went from zero to 60 real fast. Yeah. Um, but Clarence, 
shows up um, and stops George from killing himself and shows George that um, Bedford Falls would be a way worse place if he had never been born. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to see this Twilight zone version of Bedford Falls without George Bailey. Pottersville. Uh, it's Pottersville. <laughs> and it's it's basically a big giant speakeasy with one sad library. Yeah, just the saddest. Yeah, it's weird that the library is still open. I, you know, I feel like Pottersville Mary is holding it down. <laughs> so she's, she's like, like the one bastion of goodness in this sin city. She's the Imperator Furiosa of that library. She's just like, you will not take this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, she's just going to ride her her big rig library her right out of town one day. <laughs> she's going to ride the book- <laughs> Yes! Ride the bookmobile. Oh my god, why Violet we... Bit can come Dude, too. Dude, this is a very special mini crossover yeah. of Fury Road and It's yeah, a Wonderful This is life. like an alternate universe Oh my crossover. god, I love because this Mr. Potter so would be a great Immortan Joe. Yeah, he basically is. He mm-hmm. controls everything in Pottersville and yeah. he's old and mean and... And sickly. You never see him around ladies, so I don't think he likes them very much. No. He, yeah, he would not give them any power. And he's big on Valhalla. He just keeps shouting about it. That was that's in the director's cut, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Frank Capra was trying to slip it in there. There you go. <laughs> um, so George ultimately sees that his life, which he thought was just meaningless and little and silly, actually had a profound effect on the rest of the town. And he returns to normal life to find that his family and friends have rallied around him and actually raised enough money to cover the building and loan. Mm. Clarence gets his wings and Mary avoids getting a degree in library science. The worst of all possible things. So in in Pottersville, Mary is the town librarian. She is like, It's like this, like old-timiest sad librarian stereotype that you could have and i find that the most frustrating and hilarious part of the movie she's about to close up the The library library. (laughs) Uh, yeah she wears a man's hat oh yeah and and like meanwhile like george's brother has actually died uncle billy's in an asylum and like literally the town is overrun with crime um Nick, the bartender, is a successful businessman. He's man. doing great. He's he the is. only guy in Pottersville is, who's living it up. He's a hopping bar, but he's really sad inside. I mean, I guess he's giving out wings, though. Like, he's... he's Yeah, having... but he's, he, he's kind of, like, hard behind the bar, as yeah. opposed to, like, when it's martinis. Like, he, he's asked George, like, is he okay? And he seems to have friends. So, like, I think that Nick... Is a small, a very successful small business owner, but he's really feeling the pressure. Yeah, I mean, I guess, or maybe Martini's just keeping him on a tight leash, and like, like no. Nick's just waiting to bust out and bust out and, and start a franchise Nick's. of of Nick's place. Yeah, of bars. aggressively mocking angry. Yeah, angry and, well, he he is also pretty homophobic. Yeah, it's true. He's not so, a nice guy. Pottersville Nick, successful business owner, but a real dick. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Yeah, Pottersville, not a great place to be. No. But at so, least Mary's got books. Mary, yeah. I mean, still, Mary, if the worst possible version of her is that she is unmarried, at least she still has books. Yeah. Like, right on, Mary Hatch. She's going to make it just fine. She's going to make it after all. <laughs> Throw that man's uh, hat Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so major characters include George Bailey, uh, Mary Hatch, who becomes Mary Bailey, um, Clarence the Angel, Mr. Potter, Uncle Billy, um, Ernie the Cab Driver, Bertha Cop, uh, Ma Bailey. Um, yeah. Oh, um, 
Sam Wainwright. Oh, Sam Wainwright. Hee haw. Violet Bick. Yeah, like there's so many great characters in mm. this. Um, is it Eustace, the other guy who Eustace, works at the, build- yeah. at the building alone? Yeah, yeah. and um, Tilly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, and um, what's his name? Tom from who, ha- you know, doesn't he go to the building and loan and want his money back? Oh, Mr. Angryman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he gets really upset about the tree that George hits. Isn't that the same guy? No, that's not the same guy. Oh, there's just two. There's like, oh, we... there's two cranky guys in Bailey, in, um, in, in Potter, in, in Bedford Falls. In Bedford Falls. And George Bailey interacts well, with both of them. the guy with the tree, at least... The the one where he's really cranky, it's in Pottersville, so. Oh, that's true. You know. Yeah. I can understand that. He's had a rougher time. Yeah. They're not big on, on historical preservation of foliage in Pottersville. No. no, they're really not. Yeah. He lobbied for months to keep that tree alive. Wow. Well, good for him. He's an environmentalist. Yeah. I think there's like a lot of side movies happening. In this, yeah, there in really is. Life. There's just stories within stories, you <laughs> it's guys. It's so true. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. Uh, themes of It's a Wonderful Life include uh, individuals and individual individual actions can have great effects. George sees that his life is small or sees his life as small and meaningless, but he doesn't realize that he gave so many people in town an opportunity through the building and loan and through his kindness and friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, another theme is the importance of sacrifice. George gives up his plans for college and travel to take over the building and loan, and he and Mary give up their honeymoon to stabilize the town during the start of the Depression. Yeah, bad timing, George. Yeah, oh my God. I feel like George just never gets a break. No. But he, like, when he's called to action, he, he is always willing to step up and do what is the greater good. The greater <laughs> the good. The greater good. <laughs> We watched Hot Fuzz last night. Yes, we did. Um, Another big theme is uh, friends and family are what matter, not financial gain. Uh, Mr. Potter is the richest man in town. And I think he's secretly immortal because he does not age. No, he's the same age the whole movie. Yeah, from when George is like eight to like when George is probably like, what, 30, 35. He's like the worst kind of Highlander because he gets to be like 80 and then stops and then aging. stop yeah so yeah it's not great no um but he's also you know oh, again like a total bad person and curmudgeon and he assumes that everyone will abandon george in his time of need um when instead everyone rallies around george and his family because they know that he's a good person and the baileys are good people and mm-hmm. they need like they need help when they're in trouble um and then there's a Saturday Night Live sketch where the whole town goes and beats him up. Yeah, which is oddly satisfying. Yeah, it's a very, it's actually like, it's it's cathartic enough that I sort of think of it as canon. Yeah, I assume that's what happens. They yeah. just storm Potter's house and burn it to the ground. <laughs> um, other themes are uh, signs don't come the way you think they will, like George it um sends a, a prayer up and gets punched like a minute later and he assumes that that's the answer to his prayer um when clarence shows up george then refuses to believe he's an angel for like 90 percent of the twilight zone universe yeah, scene and you're the- like dude this was your sign yeah he's not quick on the pick no mm-hmm. um but yeah unexpected uh, signs can happen exactly um and also and probably most importantly 
don't cut out your douchebag friends because they may invest early in plastics and be super rich and give you money. Yeah. I mean, it's great like, like that the, like Bedford Falls comes through for George and raises all this money, but then Sam Wainwright also calls and is like, I will give you all the money you need. Yeah. With no strings attached. And so I guess like the, I mean, George Bailey really cleans up at the end of this movie. Oh, totally. And it's yeah. really because you like he didn't cut out this friend who everyone found annoying. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, he's my buddy. It's like, he, sure, I guess. Hee-haw. Hee-haw. <laughs> Hee-haw and Merry Christmas. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas. Uh, so some things I like and I think other people will like are just this is a big Christmassy feelsy movie. Mm-hmm. George Bailey running through the snow and shouting Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls, like makes me tear up every time. And so does George and Mary, like, seeing them tear up as they see their friends donate money. Mm -hmm. It's, like, legit moving. Um, And the original kind of GoFundMe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But if you're not into Christmassy stuff, the movie isn't super Christmassy. Yeah. Like, the main event takes place on Christmas Eve, but the rest of the movie, it's, like, prom night and, like, the day the stock market crash the day your little brother gets married yeah like it's it's all about these other like seemingly small life events yeah um so yeah if you're if you're not into the christmas genre that's totally okay yeah even like the angel framing device is very overtly religious because he's like talking to joseph and all of this but once he gets downtown down to earth it's like Annie said it's really just a twilight zone episode oh totally and even like the religious stuff, you're like, okay, well, this is a very Christian-based religion, but it's like you see them as these like little galaxies, which yeah. I find really interesting. Yeah, it's not it's... just like here's an old man in a white robe with a big beard and yeah. like it's a very cosmic depiction. Yeah, which is kind of cool, even yeah. though even though it's again like blatantly religious, mm-hmm. it's still like the. the divinity is connected to the universe in a strange way yeah which is cool mm-hmm. um and even though it features god and angels like the the clarence framing device is really just kind of that uh, framing device like the yeah. actual power comes from the people of bedford falls which i find really inspiring yeah it's really i mean Clarence doesn't give George anything except the chan- the realization of what his life has meant. Yeah. And it's not like the prosperity gospel of like, George prayed really hard and then God was like, oh, it's okay, you're yeah, fine Yeah, it was now. like these people are always here for him. Mm-hmm. It's just this is your life. And because you've been like a good person and a good friend, like you have developed a society in which people are good and giving as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and the cast is just fantastic. Oh my God, they're so good. They're so good. It has, I mean, Jimmy Stewart is like goofy and charming, but also really tragic and heartbreaking. Donna Reed is strong and funny and awesome. And like, <laughs> she's just one of my favorites. And she like does the um, the the throwing the rock and wishing on the broken window. And apparently when they were filming, they were like, oh, we're going to have someone with a BB gun behind the behind you and so you just pretend to throw it and she's like no i can do it and she like threw it and like smashed a window on the first shot and yeah, yeah smash the patriarchy. yeah smash the patriarchy um and there are other like great classic actors in there as well like ward bond and thomas mitchell and lionel barrymore and they all do this great fun character work yeah uncle billy gets a great improv moment oh i love that like yeah. when he is um he's drunk and leaving george's brother's wedding and apparently like one of the um the crew members dropped 
something and you hear this big crash and just the guy who plays Uncle Billy says, I'm all right. I'm all right. And you think in the movie, you're just like, oh, that's drunk Uncle Billy. He walked in such, into some trash cans. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love that. It's like this wonderful movie history moment. Yeah. It's really just wonderful from front to back. Yeah. And it's, and it, yeah, it's moving and funny and sweet. And mm -hmm. I feel like every time I see it, I notice something different. Yeah. And it is very... Um, of its time period as well. Like it's a very like Americana 1940s, oh, yeah. 50s, post-war. You know, the Depression and World War Two, and yeah, like mm -hmm. post-war and development. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is like almost a piece of history in itself. Yeah, especially in the way that it's become a tradition. I mean, I uh, my family would always watch it on TV when we got home from my grandmother's house on Christmas Eve. We'd go to Grandma Jane's house and then come home and sit on the couch and watch It's a Wonderful Life. And then when Annie and I were dating and before we were married, I would always text her when they were about to go to the library. Oh my gosh. Um, and we would enjoy that. And so like, it's a movie that lends itself to and occupies a very like tradition-y space. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a movie. At least I feel that like really doesn't get old or stale. It just it's really genuine. Yeah, and just very human and mm -hmm. wonderful. Um, um. So yeah, what do you want to tell us about a Christmas Carol? Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of things that defined their eras or or what yeah, we think of as I really. So yeah, A Christmas Carol is an 1843 novella by Charles Dickens. Um, it's actually one of a large number of Victorian era Christmas ghost stories. It was like a really popular crossover. Genre. Yeah, it was like a genre of fiction. Um, Dickens wrote a bunch of them. A lot of other people did, um, but it's definitely the most famous one. Um, it, uh, yeah, I think the Victorians had this very interesting relationship with Christmas because it wasn't really a big deal, uh, but it was also tied to these sorts of spiritual pagan beliefs and all of that. And so there was a lot of like, and it's winter. There's a lot of mystery in the air. And so uh, it became uh, part of this rising genre of Christmas ghost stories. But this one was set apart because it was really blended in Dickens's passion for social justice and labor reform um, and also his need to write something that would sell really well because it was later in his career and he wasn't really selling as great anymore. Oh, um, Dickens. So he definitely wrote it knowing that he wanted a hit, but it's also very infused with a lot of um, humanism and a lot of Oh, push. totally. And I think it, in many ways, defines the contemporary Christmas experience. Absolutely. I think 90% of what we think about when we think about Christmas, especially um, in the sort of European sense or like old timey sense, is from A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. um, it's all tied up there. I really think it's probably, it's it's a lot of Christmas Carol and a lot of It's a Wonderful Life for Americans. Oh, totally. They, they've, they've blended together into our version of Christmas these days. Um, so it tells the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, everybody's best named protagonist uh, ever. Uh, he is a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, covetous old sinner. Um, he is an old rich guy who hates everything and everybody. Uh, mm, just kind of, that uh, sounds familiar. I know, right? Um, so many parallels. Um, but yeah, uh, Scrooge is starts the book just as a complete misanthropic loner. Um, and we, that's where we meet him and that's how we hear about him. And then the story of A Christmas Carol is divided out into five staves, like a carol um, of music. So that's a little, it's a little pun for everybody there. Hello. 
Hey. Um, stave one, we meet Ebenezer and the other characters around him, and he gets visited by the ghost of his deceased partner, Jacob Marley, who warns him that damnation awaits him if he doesn't stray from the path, turn from the path that he has lived his life um, on. He then gets visited by three spirits. Um, first, the ghost of Christmas present, or excuse me, first the ghost of Christmas past. There we go. That's it. Yeah, causality. Um, who? <laughs> We're just mixing up time and space, yeah, space and... everything. It's all it's all willy nilly around here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Christmas past shows up, takes Scrooge through his childhood, which wasn't great, um, and also his first love and his time as a young clerk. Um, then we get to Christmas present, who takes him through essentially the city of London at Christmas time, um, inclu- especially the home of Bob Cratchit, uh, Scrooge's clerk and his family. And Scrooge gets to sort of see how the other half lives. Um, this is also the sequence of the book that has most influenced the Victorian idea of christmas they like go through a a market and all the descriptions of food and people selling things and carols and music and just sort of this atmospheric idea of christmas gets put across especially because charles dickens um got paid by the word and so he he takes his time that's a that's Um, a fun one though yeah it's really hard to read and not get hungry uh, because he just does such a great job talking about food and all of this stuff Mm. um we also get a sort of like dr strange style psychedelic mind trip through the rest of the world after that including the introduction of the characters uh, need and want who live um, in the robes of the ghost of Christmas present things that, get a little that was really not in the Mickey's Christmas Carol no it, it gets cut out of a lot of things but yeah. then occasionally some versions will actually do it and it's weird yeah um, but yeah I think the Muppet Christmas Carol actually at least makes reference to it maybe um, it's yeah it's this very weird surreal kind of moment um, where he's meeting the personifications of uh, need and want and there are these little stars starving children clawing at Christmas present and Christmas present is aging the whole time. It's weird. You guys mm-hmm. lead seamlessly into stave four, which is the ghost of Christmas yet to come uh, sort of shadowy cloaked figure who takes Scrooge through what his future holds. If he doesn't turn from his path and spoiler alert, he's dead and nobody cares. Aww, uh, he's, he's in the graveyard. Yeah. He's, he's in the graveyard. Like so many Christmas films yeah. got to wind up in a graveyard oh, of course. at some point. <laughs> yeah. Um, Scrooge begs for forgiveness and swears that he'll change, which then leads into stave five, the end of it, which is honestly, I think like the most concentrated literary pill of joy, um, I have ever encountered. It's just almost pure, uh, happiness from wall to wall as Scrooge realizes that he's still in his bed he's still awake there's still time to change and then proceeds to change really on a dime I mean he makes a sharp turnaround that is um, true yeah and uh, and learns to keep Christmas well if ever a man alive knew the habit um, ghosts scared the mean right out of him I know ghosts like, are a very like, effective conveyance yeah I feel like it's like reverse ghost hunter mm-hmm yeah the ghosts are hunting him yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's how ghost hunters works right they hunt yeah i'm and... I'm sure that's what i get it's for too sport. scary it's too scary to me for me to like watch a tv show about it so yeah. i just assume that's what happened. they hunt the ghosts down and then they convince the ghosts to be nice yeah oh ghost that's hunters nice. oh ghost huggers <laughs> oh ectoplasm mm. um 
there's a lot of great characters in this book. Um, they're all very sort of archetypical, but they're lovely and really well rendered as well because Dickens was great at sort of picaresque character casts. Um, obviously, you get Scrooge, uh, Jacob Marley. Uh, I played him in my high school theater production of Christmas Carol. I also Aww. played Bob Cratchit. It was, a, it was a small cast version. So I played a bunch of different people, but Marley and Cratchit were my biggins. And not in scenes together. So yeah, it's that true. works out well. Yeah, you sort of. Uh, you get to revolve around. Um, you get uh, Scrooge's nephew, Fred, who's incorrigible and refuses to not wish him a Merry Christmas uh, and is just kind he's, of delightful. He's like a Hufflepuff. Yeah, he's a total wrapped, Hufflepuff. Yeah, wrapped in a Christmas sweater. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you get Fred's wife, who doesn't have a name. You get... <laughs> patriarchy. Uh, I know. Well, Mrs. Cratchit also doesn't have a name mm-hmm. because patriarchy. Oh, yeah. You get Tiny Tim, Bob Cratchit's son, who's named that way because of Victorian able-bodyism. You get Nan, Scrooge's little sister, who dies young because of Victorian health care. Yeah, you get a a wide cast of characters. Um, Or Fan, sorry, not Nan, uh, Scrooge's sister. Uh, You get the ghosts. Um, Yeah, they're all over the place, uh, and they're great. And then if you watch The Muppet Christmas Carol, you get Gonzo and Rizzo. The Muppet Christmas Carol is the greatest of all versions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is really pretty amazing. Um, And Gonzo plays Charles Dickens in it, but then also has Rizzo hanging out with him. Um, So yeah, it's, uh, you know, you get to really see these characters sort of fully realized around the Christmas time and like how they are celebrating or not celebrating and what their needs are. And, um, you know, uh, they're all in relationship to Scrooge, but they bring a lot of flavor. Oh, you also get uh, old Fezziwig, Scrooge's original oh, boss. Yeah. And Mrs. Fezziwig, again, Fozzie-wig no name. Oh, Fezziwig. For the Muppet version. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a lovely, lovely book full of lovely characters. Um, themes and fun stuff about it. Uh, the need for connection and love and generosity and charity and forbearance throughout life. Um, the need especially for the upper class to take care of the lower classes and uh, for you know factory owners to take care of their workers. There were a lot of reports of factory owners um, instituting a day off on Christmas Day for their workers and promising to treat their workers better when this book came out. Right on, um, guys. Yeah, a lot of it is probably apocryphal, but it's a nice narrative and it is, it's a very impassioned plea from Dickens for some kind of basic charity. Mm -hmm. Um, Learning to keep Christmas well and what that means. And the really interesting thing, similar to It's a Wonderful Life, is uh, the Christmas presented in this book is more or less secular. Um, You Mm -hmm. get references to Jesus and to being born in a manger, Mm -hmm. but they get dropped amid this kind of sea of words because, again, Charles Dickens knew where his money was coming from. Um, But the Christmas ideal of it is pretty removed from the relig- religiosity. It's all about friends and family and being yeah, at it's, home. Yeah, it's and... not very particular about the birth of a savior yeah. and and the actual Bible narrative. Yeah, um, and it's partly because there was Christmas really wasn't a holy day for a long time in mm. the church, um, especially because of Oliver Cromwell uh, and the Puritans who were not into holidays. No, they were not. They were not big on it, and they were very much, especially because Christmas was purposefully chosen to be around the twenty fifth, to be in December around the time of pagan holidays and sort of co opt paganism into Christianity. Cromwell and the Puritans weren't having that. Um, here in Boston, Christmas was banned from 1659 to 1681. Woohoo, we're so fun. Thanks, Puritans. Yeah. Um, they but, didn't like a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think the Victorian era um, really, any Christmas that got 
celebrated was you were either in a church or you weren't really doing anything other than the kind of family experience. And Dickens kind of really captured the sense of secular Christmas, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, that with still all of the kind of charity and forbearance and stuff that uh, that comes along with it. Um, I really like A Christmas Carol. I would highly, highly, highly recommend reading the book. It's a quick read. I used to read it every Christmas Eve before I went to bed. Um, when we were in college, I would do readings of it every year uh, for and make friends listen to me. Um, it only takes about an hour and a half to read. I think read. it takes a little longer. Yeah, close to two. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I would also serve eggnog when I did that which it's hard to do a reading out loud while also drinking eggnog but it's worth a shot because eggnog goes well with it um but you yeah could, you could listen to uh, an audio version and you drink could, eggnog yourself you could also do that and that is pretty recommended um yeah it is a super hilarious book um the writing is very very funny there's a whole discourse in the first chapter about the phrase dead as a doornail and what there is particularly dead about a doornail um the narrator the voice of the narrator is incredibly entertaining and so yeah i would highly recommend reading the book um but once you've read the book and once you've seen it's a wonderful life it's time to think about how those two great tastes might taste great together they taste pretty great together yeah i feel like thematic crossover we've already touched on a little bit oh totally I mean, there's like a sort of one-to-one relationship yeah to the most importance of, of generosity mm-hmm. how money corrupts yeah um old angry dudes yeah um, like and friends and family yeah and... they're like they are the true wealth and you you don't have any wealth unless you are sharing of yourself with others yeah and trying to make your world a better place yeah um, investment in your local municipality yeah you know scrooge learns to start giving money to the orphanages yeah and, all that. and yeah george bailey is is handing out loans I just come on and get Woo-hoo. them everybody um yeah so i think it's it's really you know it's christmas time these are the morals yeah, and then, that get like you're saying like secular christmas yeah. where you have religious touches but overall it's about people and family and kindness yeah there's something about just the elemental need to mm-hmm. gather together in a warm space with people you love during the darkest coldest times yeah. of the year and mm. maybe be visited by some kind of supernatural beings yeah ghosts angels <laughs> angels thanks paul bettany uh. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, now that we've covered the thematics though, I mean, how, well, how do these physically cross over? I feel like there's also a wealth of opportunity here. The way that I've been thinking about it is almost in terms of, um, of a question, which is what if, so let's assume yeah. that the supernatural is a unified entity. Yeah. This is like big supernatural like weird kind of divinity yeah like the 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 heavenly office of enticing yeah like (laughs) of good deeds yeah like universal (laughs) kindness yeah absolutely um my feeling because the time difference is a little hard to beat um is what if the ghosts had a mix-up and George what? Bailey wound up getting visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And Scrooge ended up getting visited by a go- by an angel showing him what the world would be like if he were never in it. <laughs> My question oh, to no. you is, would that turn out okay? I don't think so. No. Especially for George, because I feel like he would see, like, he, you know, he loves his family. But then ultimately be like, wow, I 
have screwed up so badly. Just a lot of failure. But I think at least George would be able to see like, okay, if I kill myself, everything's going to suck. Right, they're all going to be sad. Yeah, they'll be so sad. This is not going to help anybody. Whereas if Scrooge, okay, picture this. Clarence shows up, takes Scrooge through a tour of his entire life without him in it, and then at the <laughs> end, hands him a book in which is the inscription, no man is a failure who has friends. <laughs> And then it's like, see ya, and disappears. Yeah. If I'm Scrooge, I'm jumping off a bridge at that point. Either that or George, Scrooge is like, I need to make some friends fast. Yeah, get on this really, Oh my really God, quick. go buy that big turkey. <laughs> so really, it's rather than the way that the, that the angelic structure is built now, it's instilling hope in both yes. of them. The way that the reversal would work is that they are both scared straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they went through the the supernatural dare program. Exactly. They've, they've really seen the folly of their current ways, yes. but hit very, very oh, hard. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it. Or I could see the supernatural streams getting crossed mm-hmm. and somehow George and Scrooge end up in the same world. Yeah. And yeah. like. Would we rather see Scrooge in a 1950s Americana Christmas or George Bailey in a Victorian era London Christmas? I, I feel like George would enjoy the Victorian London Christmas, but he wouldn't get much out of it in terms of his like emotional turmoil. That's true. And the rules of George's world are that he can never leave Bedford Falls. Yeah. So the he universe can't would, see any other yeah, part of the country. The universe would shatter. Oh, if he got to go to a different country. I like to think that like when George and Mary are older, their kids like get them an anniversary present where they take like this big cruise. Oh, yeah. I think they so. take a lot. Of bus trips. They totally no, but like this Whether. is like they, they like some beautiful European cruise. Zuzu's like, uh, working for Sam Wainwright, and like oh yes, yeah, Zuzu's, yeah, Zuzu's is like in charge of marketing for plastics. Yeah, she's making plastic flowers. Yeah, because then they don't die. Right. Oh yeah, and all sorts of jewelry and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's 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 uh, but I feel that's like it's a wonderful life. The new class. Yeah, I feel like if um, Scrooge saw Bedford Falls and like how quaint like how successful george is in terms of every again like everyone rallying around him and i think scrooge would think like you know oh this this doof who's in the same way as mr as mr potter like giving out money to people who are risky investments i mean it would sort of be like scrooge at fezziwig's party where he's like this is a waste of time why is this happening but i think he would see that it is ultimately successful and like mr potter does not get anything and and the fact that even though george isn't like living in a mansion like he is holding potter back he is he is sticking it to potter in his own weird way true or he would go and try to get a job at sam wainwright's plastic factory Oh, yeah. He would be like, Sam Wainwright knows what's up. I'm going to be on ground floor plastics. This guy gets it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because both George and Scrooge are in the money lending business. Yeah. Oh, they are. They are sharing. And so like they would have a lot of a lot of conversations that they would probably disagree about. Oh, totally. They have very different financial views. Mm -hmm. But I think at least, again, like Scrooge would get to see that ultimately Potter is unsuccessful. It's like because he is not... um, investing in his own community Hmm. it ultimately leads to destruction and failure and pottersville is going to go bankrupt that is or get light itself on fire eventually it's it's not going to last no this is not a sustainable society (laughs) yeah i don't know i think i don't know that scrooge would learn a lot from going back to bedford falls honestly Mm. 
I think he'd need the right presentation. Yeah. But I think like, you know, he'd look in on Potter. Like Potter is sitting alone in his office smoking a cigar on Christmas Eve because he's there when George swings by and to mock him. And Scrooge I, I, is like, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's and I, exactly me. And yeah, I feel like Scrooge would look in that window and be like, well, he's wasting electricity. Yeah, right. And then like paying for a manservant. Yeah. <laughs> what a fool. Ha ha. Yeah. I feel like that would be uh, not the most educational trip for him to take. That is true. Maybe the personal interactions are what would what would help. That is true. Which I think would bring us into some of our games. Oh yeah. Um. Ooh, kiss your faces. So there aren't a lot of ooh, the swinging singles of these romance-y. Christmas films. Well, um, Bert the Cop is single. Oh yeah, and so we've got um at Fred's Christmas party, we've got Topper, Fred's friend. Uh huh. And then uh Fred's sis- Fred's wife's sister who I believe is described as the pudgy one. Aww. But like adorable. No, the plump. The plump sister. Oh, good. And she's adorable. Yeah. Um, and no Topper, fat shaming. And Topper's going for her. Ah. Um, so so but Burke like, could have either one of them. It's true. We don't know which way Burke. I mean, yeah. he and Ernie hang out a lot. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And Topper seems like a pretty liberal dude. He's running around blind man's bluffing yeah. and pinching everybody. So I don't know. Maybe they would have a good, a good old Christmas yeah, Yuletide right? ball. Yeah. I feel like... Yeah, I mean, I think we hear that Bert and Ernie have wives, but we never see them. No. I like to think that they're like life partners. Yeah. Maybe Violet so, Bick winds up with um with Bob Cratchit's oldest son, whose name is escaping me right now. He's not old enough for her. He's old enough to go to work. Although in Victorian London, yeah, that, that was like 12. That yeah. yeah. <laughs> he graduated from sixth grade. Exactly. And it was got time to sent get to, to the, the factory. Yeah. Um, yeah, there really yeah. aren't a lot of singletons. And, no. Well, what about uh, Jacob Marley? Oh, well, he's old and dead. Well, he... Him and, <laughs> he and, and Jacob. Maybe it's Jacob. Maybe Who? Or Joseph, sorry. Him and, Jace, him and Joseph hang up and hang, hang out in heaven. That's true. And, and Joseph's real strict. Yeah. Maybe he's the one who got Marley to realize the error of his ways. It's true. Strapped all those cash boxes to him. He was like, you got to you gotta do this, dude. And Marley eventually was like, wow, I really have learned the yeah. error of my ways. And Joseph was like, I know. Thank you for teaching me, master. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They have, I mean, no, you know, it's, it's, cons- it's a consensual relationship. I know. Yeah, things are getting weird. Yeah, things are getting weird. <laughs> anyway, kiss your faces doesn't work as well on Christmas. No. Um, but you know what does work at Christmas? What? Fighting. Yes. <laughs> dun, dun, Let's dun. go to the Battle Dome. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just want to see an old, bitter man fight. Oh, my God, yeah. Scrooge versus Mr. Yeah, Potter. Sitting across the desk from one another. Yeah. Just out crotching. I just like, yeah, like... Just two old guys who aren't so good at moving. Yeah, Lionel Barrymore had to have played Scrooge at some point. I'm sure he did. Yeah, right. Like he was perfect. Yeah, if not, like maybe on like an old timey radio production of it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think um, Lurch the Butler probably fights Ghost of Christmas Present because they're both pretty pretty big guys. They could square up against each other. Um, um, that's true. Yeah, I could also see Ghost of Christmas or um. Lurch going up against the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Oh, yeah. Because he's intimidating. Looming death. Yeah. All of that. Yeah, I could see that. Um, or old Joe, the the scrap seller dude, who he's going through Scrooge's stuff at what the about, end. What um, about alternate universe um, Mr. Gower going up against <gasps> old Joe? Because, yeah. like, Mr. Gower comes in and he's like, Oh, he's all yeah, drunk and yeah. Yeah. 
I feel like he would be in a real tough place. Yeah. And old Joe would like take it, try to take advantage of him. Yeah. But Mr. Gower killed a kid, so he, he's but not by hesitant. by accident. Well, no, but it hardened him. Yeah. I mean, he was in jail at least. Yeah. I think that would have hardened him. Exactly. He's got a knife on him is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, well, he has to. Yeah. <laughs> he's living on the streets of Pottersville. <laughs> it's true. Things are rough. Things are real rough. Um, I wonder if Bob Cratchit and George Bailey would get along or not. I don't know. I feel like they would. Yeah. I just feel like they're too similar. Well, I feel feel like George gets way more bitter than Bob Cratchit. Like Bob Cratchit is like, I'm going to put on a good face for everybody. And, uh, you know, George is always like, Oh, you know, people who have that car next door. Wah, wah. Yeah, he's got a dark streak. Too. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. Um, I feel like I could see George and um, and either Bob or Fred, like maybe fighting a little. Yeah. When yeah. George is in like a real dark place. Absolutely. They're trying to pull him out. I think actually, yeah, I think Fred would really get on George's nerves. I think he really would. He's He's sort of the Sam Wainwright of the Christmas Carol universe. Yeah. He's a little more caring. But he he's is. definitely he's a nicer person. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Sam ends up being a pretty good guy. Yeah. He's all right. He's, yeah, he's there for his friends. Yeah, for sure. He gets married to someone who's pretty mm-hmm. nice. Um, so this could this is gonna be one that it'll either be a battle dome or it moves us into best buddies. Mm-hmm. Zuzu and Tiny Tim. Who you got? God, I I I know that they'd be best buddies, but I just want them I to fight. See it. I just want them to <laughs> just, just go at each other. kids fighting. <laughs> I don't know why. There's, there's nothing I like to see more in the world than a couple of sick kids yeah. just tearing each other apart. Yeah. Happy Hunger Games. Whoever wins gets the pedals. Yeah. Go. Those, those life-healing pedals. Well, yeah, they're medicinal for yeah. time. I mean, that's the Victorians. They thought that's everything true, was. That's right? Yeah. Just grind them up. He just doesn't want to get bled again. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, dear God, just please give me, give me like Advil. Right. Um, we haven't talked a lot about uh, Donna Reed much. Mary? Yeah, or yeah, Mary. Yeah. Um, I feel like she and um, and Bob Cratchit would actually be friends. Yeah. Like they're both like, okay, we're going to deal with our problems yeah. and be overall like pretty optimistic. Mm-hmm. And I think like uh, Mrs. Cratchit and Mrs. Bailey would get along very well. Oh yeah, Ma managing, Bailey. They're ma- they're managing large households. Yeah. And and with a somewhat yeah. tyrannical reign, but like very pleasant as well. Like they're they with a lot and of tyrannical love. Tyrannical how? Um, oh, that they are the, like iron will. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're not to be trifled with. That's yes. what I'm saying. Um yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover all over the place. There really these. is. It's almost just like laying one down on top of the other. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of archetypical right. characters. And I think they've they've even blended together into just like the general consciousness so much. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, that they are. These are a unit. Um, but I really want to see Sickly Tiny Tim child, and Zuzu the other children. beat each other up. Right? I don't know why. I don't, but it's, yeah, but I, f- I have this like elemental need to see yeah, it Yeah, just because I think it would be hilarious. Well, like these two adorable little children. Little moppets. Smashing the hell out of each <laughs> yeah, other. Yeah, no holds barred. Yeah. Cage match. Yeah. Over the, the, or on the gymnasium floor that opens into a pool. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Yeah. So there's a timer on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think we've fully established that these are in many ways the same story. Oh yeah. Do we have any other best buddies? Um, oh yeah. Best buddies. I, I mean, well, I think Uncle Billy and Fezziwig. 
Oh yeah, they they're, would get along they're great. They're the fun guys. Drink a lot. Yeah. They're always a good time to be around. Um, yeah, Clarence and the Ghost of Christmas Present. They're mm-hmm. forgetful and yep. just kind of running around. You know, maybe not the person you're like, man, I'm so glad you're on my team. But yeah. ultimately, you're glad they're on their your team. I don't think anybody's best buddies with the Ghost of Christmas Past because Ghost of Christmas Past is no. creepy and weird. He's so creepy. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I mean, Lurch, to come too. But... Either they're fighting or they're best buddies. Oh, maybe we'll see. Yeah, um, we'll see <laughs> <laughs> somehow. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think like you know, there's a lot of people who could hang out in this one. I think uh, Tiny Tim and and they would would be excited to be part of the the Bailey family. Oh I yeah, think. and like the yeah along. the Cratchit kids and the Bailey kids. They're yeah. all you know adorable little moppets. Yeah, why not? That kid who buys the turkey can come too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, a little Victorian urchin. Yeah, come Get on in. in. There. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's Christmas Day. Oh. Oh. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You mean one as big as me? Um, oh, dear God, are you going to eat me? Oh, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, things got dark. They did. Again. Um, so how about some reader's advisories? Annie. So um, if you want more... Uh, Frank Capra, Jimmy Stewart feels in your life. Check out Mr. Smith Goes to Washington about one man making a difference in politics. These days, it's kind of nice to believe that goodness and truth and hope can win in Washington. Yeah, that would be a nice thing to see. Um, If you want some other classic Christmas movies, try Miracle on 34th Street from 1947, although I like the new one, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And White Christmas um, for some good old-timey Christmas feels. Um, If you want to look at what life would be like if one person wasn't there, uh, try If I Stay by Gail Foreman about a girl who's caught between life and death after her family's in a tragic car accident. Um, I know. Some feels. Uh, if you want a book about sacrifice and interconnectedness, try Jellico Road by Melina Marchetta, a.k.a. the most beautiful book ever. And if you want a justification for why It's a Wonderful Life is the best Christmas movie ever, check out uh, Judge John Hodgman, episode 269, in oh, which yeah. Mark and Hal of Maximum Fund's uh, We Got This petition the court to decide what's the best Christmas movie. And... Spoiler alert, it's a, it's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> because, Just, And I mean, like, Judge John Hodgman basically makes the case for them because he's yeah. so passionate about this. It's true. He he feels he feels very strongly and he... But he's correct. <laughs> for sure. Um, for Christmas Carol, I actually had some trouble thinking up Reader's Advisories. Um, There's the episode of today. Doctor Who um, with... Um, with Dickens. Dickens yeah. and then the episode that's kind of the Christmas... Carol take in space with the space sharks. Oh yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, I mean, I think I mostly Muppet was Christmas just thinking Carol. of versions of Christmas yeah. Carol and TV episodes that feature Christmas Carol. For some reason, the first time that I ever heard about, uh, um, actually, it's a Wonderful Life. So this is tied into you. Mm-hmm. Was is the Christmas with the Joker episode of the Batman and the Animated yeah. Series? Uh, Batman the Animated Series, in which they reference it, and that was the first time I was aware of it's a Wonderful Life as a tradition. But um, but yeah, for Christmas Carol, Muppet Christmas Carol, I think is fantastic. Mickey's Christmas. Carol is very Aww. good. Um, read the book. Just really, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, well, if you want more Victorian feels, I mm-hmm. mean, Dickens is great. It's true. Um, I haven't read a lot of Dickens other than Christmas uh, yeah, Carol, though. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. I like um, A Tale of Two Cities a lot. Yeah. Um, it's not Dickens. I can't remember. Is Elizabeth Glaswell? Someone. I can't remember. I'll find out for the show notes. But um, North and South about uh, factory... Life in um, 
in England, and there's a great miniseries adaptation of it, too. There it is. Um, I would also say Jane Eyre, actually, because oh, it has yeah. a gothic Victorian sensibility yeah. to it. And um, it's kind of supernaturally in yeah, parts. Yeah, like it feels sort of like that. Um, if you lean towards that sort of creepy vibe or the gothic vibe of it, because mm. Christmas Carol can go there. Um yeah, and I would also highly recommend uh, if you live in a major metropolitan area, I am almost willing to guarantee that a theater in town does a Christmas Carol every year. Mm-hmm. And as a live stage show, it is super fun. It's mm-hmm. usually a musical. It's usually big and splashy and silly. I don't know if I've um, ever seen a stage version of it. It is super fun. Um, I mean, the one I did in high school, which was obviously the best. Obviously. was a five-person little black box version. Aww. But most of the time, they're big, they're musical. They're like, they're like the Nutcracker. Um, they're just a really lovely time um, and they will get you in the mood for the season. Mm-hmm. The Nutcracker is also a great recommendation. Oh yeah. Because it's still also kind of Victorian-y and weird supernatural yeah. dreamscape. Mm-hmm. Oh and the Christmas episode uh, in the first season of Community I would very much say I think is my my one of my favorite TV Christmas episodes ever mm-hmm. and gets at the sort of being with friends against the cold and dark yeah. uh, feel that is really essential. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I guess my major reader's advisory for this is go do Christmas stuff. Yeah. If, if you're of a Christmas mind. Aww. Yeah. Or, you know, Christmas as a secular thing is fun yeah. too. Yeah. Go have a wintry time out there. Yeah. Um, and in order to let you do that, we should probably pretty sign off, we should probably sign off pretty soon. But first, Annie, if people want to throw us their mm-hmm. favorite ideas for Christmassy things, um, where can they find more Crossover Appeal content? Uh, they can find pretty much all of our content on crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. Um, they can... It's where our show notes go. Oh, yeah. You can email us at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Crossover Appeal Podcast. You can and find... on um, bi weeks, we ask oh, you yeah. what you're listening to or watching or reading. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, come by and talk. Tell us all the stuff you love or hate. Yeah, especially if you hate it. Yeah, then it's we can fun fight. to rant about things. Yeah, then we can fight like Tiny Tim and Zuzu. Yeah. Um, or you can just tweet things at us at Crossover Appeal. Um, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Yeah, um, in a spooky way. It's a spooky way. You can leave us a spooky review. Christmas goes. Christmas goes. Uh, but yeah, we really appreciate all of our um reviews and ratings mm-hmm. so keep doing it and we'll give you shout outs on the show absolutely for our listeners past present and yet to come Ooh. Ooh. and if you're a ghost ooh, you get ooh. We're, we're speaking your language now ooh. Ooh. i feel like we're still stuck in halloween somehow well ghosts that's true christmas ghosts Just graveyards right there it's true well everybody on behalf of all of us christmas ghosts uh this has been crossover appeal i am walt mcgaw and i'm annie Car- And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly.